the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's up, y'all, and welcome in to the Cover 3 Podcast. Appreciate y'all joining us on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three and following us on your favorite podcast apps be it apple spotify google music or whatever you guys feel like it and today on cover three we have a special edition we're talking a little recruiting my man cooper tagna and andrew ivins who i just saw this weekend guys 24 7 sports top analyst welcome to the show appreciate it bud yeah bud i'm a long time listener first first appearance right what, what do they say on the radio shows uh Long time caller. Uh, for first, I, I don't know what they say. I think it's what is. We well, can't be a long time caller in a first yeah, time. Long time to do the reverse. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> sure, the comment section will uh, will get us right on that. Um, you know, we don't talk a ton of recruiting on Cover Three, but it, it is a really one of the most important things in the sport. People get hired and fired over recruiting. It what you do now is really going to impact what you do on the field uh, in in a couple of years, and sometimes in the immediate year uh, you know, proceeding. So I wanted to dive in here. And for purely SEO and smart speaker purposes, uh, <laughs> we really need to uh, just say the word Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Manning Network, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. And maybe we'll uh, maybe Google will, will grab this and, uh, and throw this onto your smart speakers, even if you're not a subscriber. Uh, but but seriously, I, I do, I do want to start there because we've known about Arch Manning for uh, for several years now. Uh, Despite the family's you know, best efforts to not have him blow up into, you know, just kind of let him have a normal high school recruiting experience, he is apparently that good, and we're not going to ignore that. What what makes him our number one overall player? I think you know Andrew and I discussed it yesterday, really at length. But he burst onto the scene as a freshman, and and on top of that, we kind of talk about the pedigree, and I think a lot of people jump to that conclusion. He's in this spot because of his last name. But uh, you certainly factor that into the equation in, in terms of the bloodline, obviously his, his two uncles, two Hall of Famers and, and Peyton and Eli Manning, and then his grandfather, Archie as well, who was a very good player uh, in his time. So on top of that, you know, he's six foot four, he's 220 pounds plus. He's exactly what you're looking for in terms of the physical tangibles in the clay as well. Uh, had a really good year as a freshman. He's been really good as a sophomore and junior. He's he's 25 and six as a starter. He completed 66% of his passes uh, over the last three years. But, you know, there's certainly a lot to like. I think when he's protected, he's as good as anybody in the country. On, on top of that, he's maybe a little bit different than his uncles in terms of his mobility uh, and his ability to extend plays with his feet as well. But, you know, with a couple months and, and until the final uh, 2023 rankings. I mean, this is this is an open race for number one. There's Malachi Nelson, who's committed to uh, Southern California and Lincoln Riley. And then there's also Nico Iamilieva as well, who's recently committed to Tennessee. So uh, he's going to have a battle on his hands, but uh, he certainly looks up to the task, in my opinion. Well, I think for me, I mean, Cooper hit it on the head right there. It's the tools. Obviously, the last name carries a ton of weight, and that really does in the world of scouting. I mean, past two NFL drafts, day one, day two, uh, one in eight guys had a relative that played on Sundays or was selected on Sundays. So that's always kind of an indicator. Obviously, uh, the Manning name carries some weight. I, I mean, for me, I mean, you're trying to project where a guy's going to be at. And, and when you look at Arch, he checks off a lot of the right boxes. You never really know what a quarterback's going to be um, until those bullets are, are, are flying. I think we saw, I don't want to say, I hate using the word adversity, but uh, that game on ESPN, you know, when Isidore Newman took on Tampa Berkeley Prep. And to me, Tampa Berkeley Prep, yes, they have a five-star edge rusher, a bunch of guys going to Power 5 schools, guys you guys are going to see 
um, you know, making plays on Saturdays, but it's not the most talented group. And, you know, I thought Arch kind of struggled. So uh, I still think there's a ton of room for improvement. We're not saying he's a sure thing, future first round pick, but right now we feel good about him and, and we'll see how this plays out over, um, you know, really the next eight months. I mean, who knows if he'll be at the elite 11, but he's going to play a senior season. Um, and like Cooper said, there's some other big quarterbacks that we feel really good about him or feel really good about right on his heels. We'll get to some of those other, other big-time quarterbacks in a second, but because you brought it up with Elite 11, the, the last quarterback class that I really thought, like, wow, these guys are just very different and 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 deeply different, you know, with, with a couple guys who were special, was that class with with, with Trevor, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in it. You guys saw those dudes in person or at least, you know, evaluated them when you were working for, for colleges. What Do you think Arch is on that? sort of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields level as a recruit? I mean, not not every number one overall player is created the same. I mean, I, I, Spencer Rattler was the number one overall quarterback in his given year, but I don't think he would have sniffed the number one overall spot if he had been a year older and had been with Trevor and Justin. So I guess I'm asking, like, relative to some of the best quarterback prospects you've seen through their junior year, because we still haven't seen him play his senior year, wh- where do you put a guy like Arch so far? I think you'd be a little bit hesitant to put him in that conversation with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, you got to think back to Trevor Lawrence and how established his high school career was coming out of out of the state of Georgia uh, as well, not only with the passing titles, but uh, I'm not sure if he lost a game in high school. So uh, Justin Fields, also a, a very dynamic athlete. I think Arch, when you evaluate him earlier in, earlier in his career as a freshman, I think that that would have been fair to say that. Uh, I think as a sophomore and junior, um, I don't I don't want to say it, it, it's almost like he's more prone to, to criticism in a sophomore and junior year. There's twice this season they failed to put up uh, more than seven points that came against uh, better competition. Andrew mentioned him struggling against Keon Keeley and Berkeley prep and then in the playoffs as well. And we talked about this at depth yesterday. I think there's just more questions, but we study Arch Manning more than anybody else in the class. He's the number one player. Obviously, he's got that last name as well. So there's going to be more attention. He's going to be a little bit more under a microscope. I'm really looking forward to his senior season. I want him to put it all together uh, and really kind of get back to that player that we saw uh, as a freshman. And that's not to say that he struggled the last two years that like like Drew said, there's just been a little bit more adversity. Uh, so this senior year is really going to be key for him in terms of the evaluation process and seeing where he stacks up. But I'll say this, I'm not ready to put him in that category because let's go back to Justin Fields. I mean, this time in his development and his recruiting cycle, Justin Fields, I think, was a three-star. Uh, it was really yeah. right right now, you know, he went to a few Elite 11 regionals. I mean, he was committed to Penn State, uh, backed off that commitment, and then he skyrocketed. They go out to the Elite 11 finals, which when it was still out in Oregon uh, at Nike's campus, and I remember – it was like the Beatles. We used to stat games, you know, at 24-7 sports. We would stat every game, and people were fighting to take stats for that. I, I think they matched up one time, Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. It, w- it was kind of crazy. So um, I, I, I still think there's question marks about it. I don't think any of us are ready to say he's for sure the number one. I don't think I can put him in that category yet, but I do think you bring up a good point. Sometimes you go out to the Elite 11 or you go out to – um, the opening, and it's like, hey, this quarterback class really isn't that great. Where would the number one guy this year rank in another year? And uh, and I'll, I'll say this, though. I do think the, the, the crop of passers here in 2023 is pretty good. And you know, I know Cooper has been diving into the 2024 film. I said this yesterday when we were doing another show, uh, just kind of peeking ahead. And it's early, uh, but I would want to be grabbing a quarterback now, maybe as opposed to next cycle, if I'm looking for kind of I don't know. I hate the term franchise guy, but kind of looking for my arm that I think is going to be QB one for me. If, if college had a draft, you'd be trying to trade up to get one of these top guys. Uh, certainly a lot of teams in the mix still for Arch Manning. He's keeping it wide open. I know our Steve Wilfong has been all over that story. You know what? Bama, uh, Texas. I've seen Florida, Georgia mentioned probably a couple other teams that I, I just forgot to name. Uh, but he's taking all his visits really seems to be taking his time and, uh, would look to make his decision once he gets all his information. A couple other kids, though, who are at the top of the ratings who have already made their decision. Uh, let, let's let's go into a little bit about what makes Malachi Nelson so special, the USC commitment. 
Well, I think he's one of the most natural passers in the class, and a guy that can certainly challenge him uh, in, in that area would be Nico Ayamalieva. But those two guys, two and three, probably possessed the most athletic upside uh, of each of the quarterbacks in this class. And and Nelson uh, really had a condensed season during the COVID year. He's been really good. He's been lights out. I love his fit at the next level with Lincoln Riley. He gets to throw to Makai Lemon, DeAndre Moore, two top 24-7 guys, receivers on the perimeter that are dynamic playmakers. Uh, but there's there's kind of some similarities when you watch him in his game uh, with Spencer Radler and that fit at Oklahoma uh, with Lincoln Riley. So you kind of see that uh, in terms of a little bit of comparable uh, projections at the next level. And then Nico Ayamileyeva has only played 13 games, but he's been pretty spectacular uh, in that small sample size, 50 touchdowns, only two interceptions. So a guy like that, that's that immensely talented, that can take care of the football, uh, that's still really figuring out the position. Obviously, that's going to have a lot of people really intrigued with him. That is a huge get for Josh Heupel. I, I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the day if it's Nico uh, who's standing at number one. Yeah, I mean, just to follow that up, I'm sure there's a lot of college football fans sitting there confused, puzzled, wondering why Tennessee kind of backed up the Brinks truck to go get Nico. But, uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. Look, I think there was a time when Tennessee fans probably thought, we got to get Arch Manning. Arch Manning is the guy that's going to make us, get us back to the glory days, make us relevant on a, on a national scale. And uh, I think they figured out they weren't going to get him, so they went and found the next best thing, and that and that's Nico Ayamaleeva. Um, you know, to me, what stands out about him is just how raw he is, but it's also the frame. He's 6'5", super long arms. Uh, you search his volleyball highlights. Like, he could be a legitimate Division One volleyball player, which is, is pretty impressive to me. I mean, he is jumping uh, above above the net. Um, so I, I think there's a ton of upside with him. I think his potential is scary. I mean, we need to see some more live reps from him, and he's going to do that as a senior at Cal Poly. But uh, his arm is, is special. You know, he makes a ton of – uh, throws. I, I saw him play seven on seven in my neck of the woods in Miami. He flew across the country. He was, he was wearing pajama pants and, you know, not really taking his drops, but he sprayed it all over the field. And I was kind of in awe because you just don't see that type of quarterback uh, talent here in the state of Florida, uh, uh, you know, as, as talent rich as, as it is. So uh, I'm, I'm super, super intrigued by him. And when, when Andrew says sprayed it all over the field, he means that in a good way as opposed to, you know, if you're a golfer and you're spraying all over the place. <laughs> That's not a good thing. And that reminds me to tell you all to use the CBS Masters app. Masters Thursday through Sunday, going to be awesome. Looks like Tiger Woods probably, uh, you know, I think you guys maybe think you make the cut. I don't know. I was talking about that with a buddy this morning, but make sure that you watch the Masters on CBS. And there we got our plug in. So, Jordan, check that box. Uh, one other guy I wanted to hit here at the quarterback position because it is such a loaded year and because he's been in the news. Uh, a lot lately for some visits, is Dante Moore. Uh, Dante Moore, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, uh, fifth overall in the 24-7 sports composite. I think we have him eighth overall, so certainly uh, we're showing him a lot of love as well with those rankings. What what do you guys see in Dante Moore? Super efficient passer. Uh, we, we talked about it yesterday, and we went through quarterbacks yesterday. That's why I keep saying we talked about it yesterday. But uh, a guy that's, I, I want to say, comparable play style to, to Mac Jones, uh, he's not sexy. Like the, the three guys up front are kind of like sexy quarterbacks. You turn on the film, they make wild throws. You understand why they're there. Uh, Dante Moore is kind of one of those guys. He's sexy in the way that he performs. He's super efficient, 72% uh, completion rate last year, 40 touchdowns, three INTs, a state championship at MLK in Detroit. I love this dude's game. He's just kind of got a calm, uh, competitive temperament about him. He's one of those guys that's always going to elevate the guys surrounding him and he just elevates the team and he makes winning play after winning play so I love Dante Moore I think he, he's obviously been being courted by a lot of the top programs Marcus Freeman Notre Dame Brian Kelly LSU Miami Mario Cristobal as well so anybody and everybody in on Dante Moore right now but there's a lot to like about him and he shouldn't be discounted when you start talking about these three guys up top either I think with Dante for me I mean right now if you had a pick a quarterback in this 2023 class and we could go, you know, 20 guys deep. I mean, game on the line, fourth quarter, I need a game winning drive. I think you're going to probably pick Dante Moore. I mean, he has done it at, in, in a super competitive Detroit uh, league at, at, at Martin Luther King there. I mean, um, he's got the arm talent to me and 
He mentioned Brian Kelly. It seems like Notre Dame is kind of the school that's pushing the hardest. I mean, he just visited there for a few days. I, I cannot recall a more publicized two-day visit for any prospects checking out uh, Notre Dame. I mean, there's those photos of him like on a gold throne. Uh, they haven't they haven't done that for anyone else. So they, they really, really want him. And to me, having seen some of these other quarterbacks that uh, the Notre Dame has taken in recent cycles, I think he's the guy that could potentially get them over the hump. Uh, Cooper also brought up how uh, teammates gravitate towards him. And I think that's the same thing on the recruiting trail. Carnell Tate, five-star wide receiver. He's super close with Dante Moore. So I think if Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman were to get him in the boat, that maybe helps them at some other positions, helps them go out and get some other blue chip talent. Uh, it makes them even more of a player in that college football playoff. So let, let's stick with Notre Dame here for a minute. We'll transition into, into maybe some schools that are doing uh, better than normal or schools that we feel like uh, could do better than normal based on their early pace and maybe if they have a nice season. But sticking with the Irish, uh, nine commitments already, one five-star, eight four-star commitments on the composite at this point. That's a hell of a start. They have the number one class in the country. And, and you're mentioning other recruits you know, being excited about Dante Moore, but he's not even committed yet. So are, are other recruits assuming that he's going to Notre Dame or is there more – that is creating this kind of buzz for the Irish. Oh, well, I mean, I'm just just kind of saying, you know, I just want to throw in like, you know, Carnell and him are, are close. I'm not saying Carnell is assuming he's going there or anything like that. Maybe maybe he is. I mean, I'm not privy to those conversations, but I do think when I look at Notre Dame's class, you got to tip the cap. I mean, they got Keon Keeley in the boat very early on. Uh, and Keon Keeley's a guy now that Alabama is going after, you know, Florida's after him. Uh, I'm sure Georgia's probably kicked the tires and, to me, some of those big SEC players, they kind of recruit at their own or at their own pace, you know, beat, beat at their own drum. Um, and we'll see what happens. I think holding on to Keon Keeley for them is going to be extremely important. And, yeah, sure, he's still committed to Notre Dame. He's saying all the right things. But uh, we've seen this story plenty of times before. I mean, you take the visits, rule of thumb and recruiting is follow the visits, and he is checking out those other schools. So I'm interested to see if they hold on to him and – uh, but, you know, Marcus Freeman, I think what they've, they've done impressive. Another guy they're in on right now, Caleb Downs, one of my favorite prospects in the class of 2023, our number one ranked safety, uh, younger brother of Josh Downs, the, the star wide receiver at North Carolina. I think he's going to be up there in a few weeks for the Irish's spring game. I mean, if they can get him in the fold, that that's essentially like another Kyle Hamilton. I mean, obviously different play styles and all that stuff, but he is that talented. I think a guy who can be an impact player. I mean, if we're playing a video game, you can put that star underneath him, and when, when you move him around the field, because I think he would be able to, you know, do a, a ton of different things. So I've been impressed with with what Notre Dame has done so far here on the trail. I, I know you guys don't don't cover Notre Dame, you know, like on a daily basis, but are are you feeling a different vibe from this staff than what you got with Brian Kelly's staff? I mean, they've recruited well; they're one of the top what ten recruiters annually on average, but. Do, do you get a different different feel or vibe from this staff that's causing them this like this early you know vibe? I feel like it's it, it's emphasized more. That's that's no shock to to me personally with Marcus Freeman. I think recruiting is at the forefront um, of his agenda and in his agenda for that staff, and they've and that showed up already. They they finished with a top ten finish uh, last year. They're off to a great start this year. They're number one recruiting class so far in two thousand twenty three. Andrew mentioned Keon Keeley in the boat. They were on Keon Keeley uh, before everybody else. So that was a great pickup for them. Now they got to hold on uh, the rest of the way. But Dante Moore would would be the big piece. And offensively, I think that's where they got to get right. I think what you've seen so far since Marcus Freeman has been there, you've seen a little bit of his identity and his aggression on the defensive side of the football. I thought their defenses, uh, defensive class last year was really, really good. I think they're just missing that one piece, that that kind of alpha at the quarterback position. They haven't really had that in the past. For Marcus Freeman, if he can get Dante Moore in the boat, we've talked about Carnell Tate a little bit, keep Keon Keeley. They've done a tremendous job over the last two years. They're going to have some top caliber talent. And I think from them, it's going good to great. It's not like Brian Kelly didn't recruit well at Notre Dame. I think what what Marcus Freeman's trying to do is move the needle just a little bit more. Uh, that way, when they're in playoff contention uh, and, and they're facing Georgia, Alabama, the Ohio States of the world, it's a little bit more of an equal playing field. So let's transition here to you know, some of the staffs that have new coaches who, who may be off to hot, hot starts. Uh, and let's let's stick with USC. We, we we already mentioned Malachi. Are 
are you guys of the opinion that they're going to kick their recruiting into a different gear with Lincoln Riley out there? I think so. I mean, I cannot recall uh, ever hearing this much USC buzz in the Sunshine State. I mean, they're, they are in on a, a number of different kids. Brandon Ennis, the five-star wide receiver uh, that was previously committed to Oklahoma to play for Lincoln Riley. Someone told me, I don't know, like six months ago that, hey, Brandon's going to go wherever Lincoln Riley goes. And that was kind of when the rumors were out there that he might be changing positions. Well, he decommits from Oklahoma, uh, was out at USC a couple weeks ago, just spent the weekend at Ohio State. So I don't think it's a done deal that he's a Trojan, but um, they might go, you know, USC would go into South Florida, uh, an area that they haven't recruited really at all in a while and and grab the, the top receiver. Um, right from Miami's backyard and right from from a sweet spot for Alabama and Georgia. I mean, those two rosters, college football playoff rosters, have been built on kids from the 305 and the 954. So uh, Ennis is one of them. I mean, there's some other kids, Dejon Johnson, a, a cornerback out of the Tampa area. He plays for former USC legend Mike Williams. That's the co- his coach, and uh, the Trojans are going to get an official visit there. And then one more prospect that uh, has an interesting story, and, and me and Cooper are super high on him, is Lucas Simmons. Uh, he is originally from Sweden. Dad actually played at Oklahoma, moved overseas, I think, for NFL Europe, really liked it in Sweden, uh, stayed. And, and this is his son. He's, he's 6'7", 300 pounds. Uh, I know Florida State's on him, but – Florida State USC battle. So I do think USC, and we've seen it in Georgia as well. They are recruiting nationally. I think that's what Lincoln Riley wants to do. So it's going to be different, uh, certainly different than what we've seen from the Trojans just with, with that brand. I think they're going to try to use that brand to their advantage. Yeah, I think the, the credibility is back. Andrew mentioned Lucas Simmons, and I think that is really going to be the biggest question for USC in the future. How they move on is really going to be in the trenches on the offense, defensive side of the ball, and then at the linebacker position on, on defense as well. So Alex Grinch, I think that would be the biggest question. Can they get that solved up front? They're, they're in a good spot for Josh Connerly, the number one offensive tackle in 2022 from the state of Washington. You mentioned Lucas Simmons as well. If USC is really going to continue to elevate and try to bring themselves back to college football supremacy, that's where it's going to have to be. They, there's no doubt in my mind they can put together the best roster in terms of the skill position, especially offensively with Lincoln Riley, and we've seen that already. We're talking about Zachariah Zach Branch, their number one receiver in the country, Makai Lemon, I think the number three receiver in the country, and then you got potentially Brandon Ennis. There's nobody that's going to come close to that if that's exactly what USC ends up putting together. So in terms of what they can do from a skill position, I don't think there's going to be anybody in the country, maybe Ohio State, uh, but really the question for me is what they get done in the trenches. No doubt. I mean, to me, the, the formula for them is almost first, like right of first refusal on any kid west of the Rockies. They're not going to win every single battle out there. But if you look at how Pete Carroll built it, it was if we wanted the kid on the West Coast, we pretty much got him and then go national to fill the holes that maybe weren't available in that crop out west. Because we know there just aren't as many big bodies, particularly on the defensive line uh, out west. If you look and, and chart this, and I, I have a couple of years ago, I'll probably update this. The you know, the number of, of four-star or higher-rated players who are 270-plus coming out of high school, it's declined year over year for about a decade, and it, it's a pretty steady decline. We see that with some of those families moving to Texas, You know, some going to you know, Las Vegas, which really you should still be able to cherry-pick Las Vegas pretty well if you're SC. Uh, but, you know, Andrew, you're right. They really haven't recruited Florida uh, hard in a while. I mean, li- like Leonard Williams, I guess, and then – Aguilar uh, would have been the two big guys I can remember going out there. But like Nelson has got to be a decade ago at least, Ralph. Yeah, I, I was reading the old ESPN story. I mean, I know competitor, but it was an old, it was the only thing I could find about this. And it was a while back. But speaking to your point, you know, I was talking with a, a coach that recruits the state of Utah and had never really recruited Utah. And he told me, hey, there's all these big people there, but none of them want to leave. And, and we're talking to school west of the Mississippi. And he was telling me how Utah has just built these rosters. It's because all these kids want to stay home. They, they want to go to Utah. They want to go to BYU. So I do think that kind of speaks to what you're saying about the, the, the talent and the pool that's available on the West Coast. I also say this, our, our colleague, Greg Biggins, you know, there was a group of defensive linemen that went out to uh, L.A. For, for a camp. And then they were from Georgia. And he's like, man, these these guys are creatures. And I'm like, oh, that's just kind of the run of the mill here in, in, in Georgia. And he He's like, man, they don't have anything like this out there. So I do think there's definitely some truth to that. I know you got the data, but 
uh, we see it uh, certainly for sure out out on the camp in, in seven on seven circuit. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So let's, 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 I guess, transition here a little bit. Are, Are there any other schools, you know, with either new coaches or just for whatever reason, they seem to have a lot of recruiting juice on the trail right now. They're they're top of mind for, for kids. Kids want to get there and visit. They want to check it out either because it's the hot thing or because it's new uh, or, or both uh, who stand out in your, y'all's mind. Yeah, I'll probably let Drew kind of expand on this a little bit more. But I think two two programs out of the state of Florida, University of Florida and University of Miami, I think Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal have done a great job injecting some energy into those programs uh, that they haven't seen recently. So I think Billy Napier, like if you're looking at 2023 right now, it's way too way too early to judge. I think Alabama's 29, Florida's 54, Texas Tech's number two. So we don't expect yeah. that to, to hold up over time. But Really love what Billy Napier and his staff have done, and we, and, and Andrew and I continue to discuss this. But we we've seen the benefit of all that money that's been invested into that program. And Bud, we used to talk about that a lot too. I think it was seven and a half million dollars put to the side for Billy Napier and his support staff. So they've done a great job from the personnel side, identifying prospects early, not only in the twenty three class but the twenty four class, really hammering home the state of Florida and getting guys to campus building those relationships, getting a feel for those guys. And I think what they've done off the field, not only from a personnel standpoint, but from an on-campus standpoint as well, they're pretty unrivaled uh, in terms of what they've been able to do there. And then Miami, following a pretty similar formula, uh, but probably a little bit more, I would say, uh, short-term. They've done a really good job getting – prospects to campus in South Florida. Mario Cristobal uh, is an absolute demon on the trail uh, in terms of the way that he's going to work. He's maniacal. So um, him being in Miami, South Florida, such a talent-centric place as opposed to where he used to be and the job that he had to do when he was in Eugene, Oregon, and having people have to take multiple flights to get there that is the formula for long-term success for both of those programs. I think they've, they've done a great job. I think a commonality there is those guys being picky, right? Like, I don't know that Mario takes Miami if Miami hadn't stepped up and made the financial commitment. And we know Billy Napier uh, had opportunities at other SEC jobs in prior years, uh, but didn't take them or you know, maybe didn't really engage with them all that much because they had situations that he didn't feel like would fully support him or uh, or, or could win at. I mean, that's at least kind of the the chatter from some agents I know. I, I haven't. Billy hasn't told me that specifically, but it does seem like he played the waiting game and, and picked his spot and did pretty well. Maybe that's something Florida hasn't done in recent years, obviously. That's why he demanded how much money uh, he asked for up front for that support staff. And just kind of echoing that, I mean, boots on the ground in the Sunshine State going and 
to the schools of some of these kids, it's kind of like a, a 180 from last year. You know, Florida State was the school in March and April that that had generated some momentum, had some buzz. Um, I mean, you know, Travis Hunter, the, the number one recruit in, in the country, was committed. Kids wanted to go to Florida State. I mean, their, their spring game was played in the rain during a dead period, and there was like 100 kids in the stands and, and rain ponchos, and they couldn't even talk to the staff. Um, it, it just feels so opposite right now. This, the, the, the two schools you you hear consistently are, are Florida, and then you hear Miami. And, and when a kid goes to Florida, all they do is talk about how big that support staff is, how nice everyone is, um, you know, how many different people they met, how they have a plan in place, how they have a coach that does this, a coach that does that. Miami, it's 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 a little bit less. But I, so many kids bring up how connected they are with the staff, which is a complete difference from when Manny Diaz was there and uh, even when Mark Richt was there. I mean, Mario is is a menace when it comes to recruiting. I mean, he gets up and, I, you know, he's on the phone all day actually personally texting recruits. And, I, you know, I don't know how many other head coaches are doing that, actually sending non-scripted messages that normally a GA or, or an analyst would send. He's that involved, and I think kids – Kids realize that. Two other schools, I will say, because uh, you got my mind thinking. You know, USC is definitely one of them. I, I, I think they got some some juice right now on the trail. But South Carolina, you know, that's a, that's a school that um, some kids in, in in the northern parts of, of Florida and Georgia they they keep bringing up uh, wanting to visit there. And then then Oklahoma, I think uh, Brent Venables, a lot of the relationships and he developed at at at, at, at Clemson have carried over real fast to, to, to the Sooners. And, and that has kids wanted to check out Norman. They're, they're familiar with some, some faces there and um, everyone wants to see what he's got building. So those are two schools and, you know, Beamer had a great year this past year or not a great year, but a, a surprising year. Uh, they got Spencer Rattler out of the transfer portal. So it's, it's not surprising there. And then Oklahoma, like I said, I mean, Venables is selling, Hey, I did this at, at, at Clemson. I'm gonna do the same thing here at, here at Oklahoma. You know, you, you mentioned that the sending personal text messages. Guys, like the last guy I can really remember doing that, like that was very notable for it, was actually in the state of Florida. And if you if you read the ESPN piece on the mental breakdown that he had or a uh, heart issue or wh- whatever it was that he had the first time he had like the, the week-long retirement at Florida, it was Urban Meyer. He was texting kids in church. <laughs> and, and his wife, you talked about it in that piece very famously about how maniacal he was uh, recruiting kids. So – like that, that personal touch from head coach, you're right. I, I think that's not super common. All kids are getting text messages from the head coach's phone. Not all of them are getting personalized text messages, I, I don't think, and like actual you know, ongoing dialogue and conversations. And to y'all's point, we almost never see all three powers in the state of Florida be good at once. We've often seen two. Uh, if two fall off, then you see the superpower thing go on, right, where you have the one super team. So Myers Florida team, uh, you know, towards the end of Myers Florida team, Miami didn't have its act together. Florida started slipping. You know, FSU was the beneficiary. Certainly, back in the '80s, when you know Florida was on on sanctions and and Florida State didn't really have a defensive coordinator hired, they really uh, feasted, especially down there in South Florida. So I, I think this state can support two really good teams. I don't think it can support three really good teams uh, at, at the same time. So for Florida State, they got to win some games, or they're they're not going to have a good recruiting year. It's pretty much simple as that. Um, let's, uh, you, you did mention USC as well. Let's, let's kind of bounce back there potentially, uh, with the announcement coming on Friday, uh, of five-star offensive tackle, Josh Connerly. And I bring him up because he's kind of the last big fish in the class of 2022, right? I, I don't think anybody else that is, is that highly rated is on side. Yeah. Until, until they're in the portal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, yeah. what, uh, what do you guys think about Connerly? He's a great player. I mean, I'll speak on behalf of Chris Singletary and Gabe Brooks, two other national recruiting analysts here. They they absolutely love him. I got to see him um, in my time in the Pacific Northwest with Washington and Oregon. I mean, he's just a he's hard to come by. Like you said, we talked about the the premium on big bodies on the West Coast. You're talking about a guy six foot five, two hundred and eighty five pounds. He's got thirty four and a half inch arms. He's got huge hands. I think almost 11 inch hands, 10 and three fours. So he had a really good week in San Antonio at, at, at the Adidas All American Bowl. And he's a two way player, he's a two sport athlete, plays basketball. 
you see that skill set kind of translate onto the football field. He's got cat-like reflexes. He's super light on his feet. He's quick twitch, explosive. He finishes blocks. So he's the premier offensive lineman, not, not only in the country at the offensive tackle position, but on the West Coast. That's a huge get, whether it be uh, one of these schools at USC, Oregon, Washington, Michigan, all four of those schools in it. Uh, but if he does end up going to a place like USC, like you mentioned, the importance of not only getting a really good player, but I think the message that sends to the West Coast, to offensive linemen on the West Coast, that's big. And, and if USC can get their mitts on those guys, there's only three or four of those guys every cycle. Um, and what happens is, and, and this is the way we used to think when it was at UW or Oregon, if you can get your hands on the, the top three or four offensive linemen, that's addition by subtraction for everybody else. Not only are you getting those players, that hurts everybody else in the Pac-12 because USC is the only school maybe outside of Oregon and that footprint that can go national. So that's a big deal for USC if Connerly does end up picking uh, Los Angeles and Lincoln Riley. And you can watch that Friday on CBS HQ, of course, uh, USC – I believe the crystal ball favorite uh, right right now, Brandon Huffman, done a great job covering his recruitment. Uh, Huffman's crystal ball is also in for USC, and and that I mean that would be huge. It, it, it's there's just not that many bodies out there, as you said, and, and there's no prize for second place in recruiting. Uh, if it's not USC, is there a school that we feel like has the best shot to pull the upset here? Well, I would I, go ahead, Drew. I, I mean, I don't think you can count out Mario Cristobal in Miami. I mean, like go back to the, the, the national signing day. I mean, they had some unexpected wins. Trevante Citizen, a, a running back out of Louisiana, like my, there was not much Miami smoke at all. I mean, I guess there was smoke, but not much buzz. And then bam, all of a sudden they, they flip him. So I, I don't think you can can count him out just because I we know he's going to be working the, working the phone and I'll add this just as a scouting take on Connor Lee. Like to me, having seen him at the All American uh, Bowl, having seen him move around, like to me, he's a guy that you could potentially get on the field sooner rather than later. I'm not saying he's a guy you want to start uh, at USC, but I love his body type. I mean, when you look at him, he looks like kind of like a big man on the basketball court. You know, one of those guys that's like playing center, but he's probably like not big enough, um, but he moves super well. Uh, and I, I'm a huge fan. So that, I, to me, you know, Cooper mentioned you're taking away from your, your, your conference rivals, but you're also probably adding a guy that you anticipate, uh, you know, assuming no setbacks or injuries, he's going to be in your two deep at, at the top of the two deep for, for at least three years. That's absolutely huge. All right. So speaking of three years, we're not quite three years out from the class of 2024 uh, getting on campus, but we, we do have our class of 2024 rankings uh, come out today. I believe they're coming out uh Shoot, they might already be up. Let's check into Slack here and see. Uh, are they up? Uh, not yet, but they will be up uh, fairly soon. I, I think we can we can go ahead and preview this a little bit for people who are are thirty five minutes deep into the Cover Three podcast. Who are some guys? And we don't necessarily have to give away their final ranking for for this release if we if we want to save the drama uh, for HQ. But but who are some folks in this class who? you're just very confident college ball fans are going to need to know down the line. Like there's almost no doubt in your mind, that guy's going to be a dude. I think uh, for, for me, I'll get started. I know Drew's probably going to want to expand on a couple IMG guys. So I'm going to make sure I, I jump in front of them uh, on one of these guys. So Jonathan Eccles, I love this kid originally from the state of Georgia, six, three and a half, 211 pounds. He's probably a little bit further advanced physically uh, than Jihad Campbell, who just came out of IMG Academy and signed with Alabama, but certainly a guy that there's a lot of similarities there. You talk about his ability off the edge. He can play a little bit of off-ball linebacker. He's a dynamic athlete. He's got 34-inch arms. I think he had a 35-inch vert uh, or in that range and and ran a, a, a 4.82. So at his size, that's pretty good. Uh, dynamic guy that can do a lot of different things. We love him. He certainly shot up the board. So uh, between him and then there's a couple other DBs that I'll let Drew kind of touch on in that area. But uh, it's a super dynamic class, certainly at the top. Yeah, and with Jonathan Eccles, I think a team you got to watch out for early on is Florida. You know, he's going to go through the process and take all these visits, which he should do. Uh, but his cousin's an All-American softball player for the Gators, so he's been spent plenty of time in Gainesville over the years. Two of his teammates, uh, one name I know everyone should – I think you should know for sure because uh, is, is Desmond Ricks. The, he's a cornerback, has tested off the charts. I think he's going to be number two 
in our rankings. I think this is a guy that there are some power five schools. He could be on the field for them if he needed to in the, in the uh, upcoming 2022 season. Uh, he's over six foot, uh, oh, actually over six foot one, uh, four or five kid ran the fastest 40 at IMG Academy. I always think that's kind of like a feather in the cap. I mean, if, if you, if you hold that honor um, on the lasers, so I really like him. And then I want to I talk about an edge rusher. Uh, you know, he mentioned Jonathan Eccles. That's maybe more his his cup of tea. I'm all about King Joseph Edwards, who's at uh, Buford Academy up in Georgia. Um, saw this kid play tight end on the seven-on-seven circuit. Uh, have since seen him work out as, as an edge rusher. Uh, I, these are the guys that are going to Alabama uh, in Georgia. I see a little Dallas Turner in him. If you guys watch the college football playoff, you know, Dallas Turner stepped up big. I, I, I don't want to comp him to that, but there's some Dallas Turner in his game. And I'm just, uh, you know, he's actually visiting Alabama today. Georgia's been on him. He was at Ohio State. I think he's going to be one of these monster recruiting battles that we're going to be tracking for what? I don't know, the next 20 months. So that's another guy I want to highlight. So, uh, Funny story when when Coop and I went down to watch uh, the Pylon Orlando, there were there were two or three I think tight action slash Domo teams, and King Joseph was playing for Domo twenty four because he's a twenty twenty four. But I didn't know what he looked like in the face because you know all I had seen was his huddle, and I was like, that can't be the twenty twenty four team with a kid that big moving <laughs> like it. Like that's got to be that's got to be the upperclassmen team. And no, it actually it was the twenty four. Joseph is that big and and you know agile at, at that size. And uh, I've been, you know, or sorry, go ahead. Yeah, one more guy. I mean, you know, big, big name, J- Jeremiah Smith, wide receiver. He's the, he's uh, the or cousins with Geno Smith. I always get that mixed up. And I actually saw Geno Smith at the DMV the other day, and I was talking to him about it, about his cousin. Um, he, he was just at Ohio State. He is a big body, big framed wide receiver, I should say. I, 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 I compare him to like a puppy. You see a puppy that, you know he's going to be big. He's got big paws, you know, big, big, long limbs. That is him to me. I think he could be a monster. Uh, I had a college coach compare him to Devontae Parker. He was just at Ohio State uh, over the weekend. I think the Buckeyes are going to be really, really hard to beat there. Alabama, USC also involved in that recruitment. But I know Cooper has seen him. All of our guys have seen him. They seem to really like Jeremiah Smith. He's playing his football at Hollywood, Shamanad, Madonna Prep. So I think that's another name uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about over over uh, as we get more familiar with this recruiting cycle. Absolutely. And, and, and y'all's job is not to rank the best high school football players. It is to rank the best prospects, which, which there is a projection process involved in that. Um, and to Ivan's point, I know he said Ricks was a four or five. And we were there that night. That's laser timed on grass. Four or five in that setting as a 16 year old is flying. Uh, I, I talked to the strength coach there at IMG and, and one of the assistants and they said, that Rick's had some of the best testing numbers on their like catapult GPS system that they've ever had at the school. So like not just this year, but like all time. And they've had some pretty good guys come through their you know, IMG. Uh, they're like, he, he's on that level. So um, yeah, I, if he stays healthy, I, I think he's 2026 NFL draft guy. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty for sure. That's a long, that's a long way away. Uh, I guess we'll open it up here to any kind of YouTube questions for the final couple of minutes. We'll take two or three of these, I guess. And, uh, um, and then we will get out of here. Really appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, who was Urban Meyer testing for the chop house? Probably not going to take that one. Um, can FSU get back to its heights under Jimbo? I think we already talked about Florida, Miami have the juice right now on the trail. Uh, can we talk a little Nic- Nicholas Harbor? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I worked out this morning and uh, some of the guys I work out with uh, at the gym, they were asking me about it. So that means when, when that's the case, something viral has happened in the world of, of recruiting. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's a freak. When I do my freaks list, he's already penciled in at, at number one. I mean, the only thing that would prevent him from being the top freak in the class of 2023 is if he you know, raises the white flag and says, hey, I'm just going to go run track professionally, which I, it sounds like based on our colleague, Brian Doan, uh, that, that seems like it could be a possibility, but man, um, not many dudes that big, 225 pounds uh, running that. I mean, that is, that is something else. I think tracking football, uh, you know, they, they, they have data that goes back and I think one of their guys tweeted out, no one in, in their database has ever put up numbers like that for someone that size. So he's, he's a freak. I, I would be interested to hear Cooper's take because we haven't even talked about him. Like, where do you see him Cooper? Uh, at the next level, if he plays football, 
Yeah, I think right now my biggest concern is that he he won't play football. Um, but you're talking about a guy six foot four plus in, in that six foot five range, two hundred and twenty five pounds. I I went back did a little research myself, looking at his two hundred meter time. He would rank all time since eighteen ninety. I believe is when they started uh, keeping track of this as one of the top 2,300 times uh, in, in, since that time. So think about that. I, I, and I would guarantee you to say that he probably has uh, about 100 pounds on each of the people um, that, that he is in the same category with. So on the field, I, I, I tend to, to gravitate more towards a perimeter 3-4 edge rusher, maybe in a 4-3 is a 5 technique. I just think that type of size, that type of explosiveness. He's so dynamic. And when you watch him on a football field, it's not just the track and field. He's coordinated. He moves well. He can bend the edge. Uh, he's certainly a guy who's flashed some speed to power. So you think about that upside there at that position uh, with just what's in his body. We haven't seen anything like that. So I think the other side of that would be Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, and seeing him kind of in a, in a receiver tight end role. But me, myself, I'd want to be greedy. I'd want to see him off the edge. I mean, he's like an upgraded version athletically of like a DK Metcalf at the same age. I mean, like, yeah, there's, it's there's just not like, normal to wait, talk wait, about wait. a guy that size being able to run track professionally. Like, guys 6'5", 225 as juniors in high school don't run track professionally. Like, that's not a thing. Do we know if Harper can go <laughs> east-west, though? Because, like, isn't DK's thing he's only he's, – he can only go straight line? Straight line explosive. Yeah, I, I have no – I have no qualms with Nicholas Harbor. I think he's one of the best. He is the best athlete in the class. I mean, like there's freaks, there's unicorns, and then there's Nicholas Harbor. I mean, the, the dude Aliens. is just absolutely different. Yeah, he's extraterrestrial. So uh, his dad works at NASA. I mean, the, the dude is super uh, intriguing type of prospect, not only athletically, uh, but with his background as well. So I believe one of his parents played, played international soccer. Uh, I could be wrong there, but... Um, yeah, obviously got some good bloodlines too. All right, uh, Ivans, I got this one for you from the chat. Ohio State or the field for Brandon Ennis? Brandon Ennis, five-star receiver from South Florida, guy that you know, we've seen play for years because he was playing varsity, uh, at least varsity seven on as an eighth grader and just continues to get better and better. Is this is this a company with like odds? Like, you know, like if you, I, bet, if you bet the Masters, is it like Tiger, you know, Plus this number, field plus that number, or what? I, I feel like 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 asking people to do math while while they're driving, listening to the show. If they're not watching us live on <laughs> YouTube.com/slash Cover Three and, and like and subscribe, so, that so might be a little much. Here's what here's what I'll say. Like like I, I mentioned the comment earlier. You know, someone told me close to Ennis that Ennis is going to play for Lincoln Riley, right? I still think that distance between Florida and Los Angeles is a long flight, right? It's, it's a long flight. Um, that's why I never really raised my, my, my confidence score in the crystal ball. I mean, I, I was the first on USC, but I never shot it up there. Uh, from what I've gathered, that trip to Ohio State went really, 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 really well. I think he has told the people in Columbus what they want to hear, some, some good things. So I think it's a two-team battle right now. So that's why I would probably, you know, I would lean towards the field. Uh, I mean, but if you could give me like USC, Ohio State together and then the field, I would take those two together if that makes sense. I mean, I think it's – I, I, you know, he's already made one commitment. He did it on CBS Sports HQ. I don't think he's going to be rushing to do um, another one. Um, but, you know, that's that's how I kind of handicap it right now. It's those two, 1A, 1B, and then everything else. All right, uh, last one here. Uh, this is a pretty specific one from the chat. Uh, thoughts on JoJo Trader? Uh, he uh, class a 2024 receiver, um, athlete from Miami Central. Drew, you want to start? You want to take it? <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine. What, what's crazy is JoJo Trader and Jeremiah Smith. They both were at Monsignor Pace, which is where Shamar Stewart, the, the five-star defensive lineman uh, that signed with Texas A&M, they were all there in, in the spring, and they ended up transferring out. Uh, Trader went to Shamanad Madonna Prep, which won a state title. Or uh, yeah, Smith went there. Trader went to Miami Central. They both won state state titles. Uh, we're gonna have. Um, I think Trader is inside the the top 20 of our rankings. We think he's a, a special talent. I, I don't know about the number one player right now in, in the country. I think, you know, that there's been some talk of that and he, he's labeled as a wide receiver, but I'll say this, I, I think he could be a cornerback. And I actually was texting a, a, a power five assistant about this, this morning. I, hey, do you agree with me? And they said, no, he's, he's an athlete. Uh, you know, Travis Hunter has been thrown out there. I'm not ready for that as well, but 
He's super talented. I, I liked him on the defensive side of the ball. He had a pick six in the 6A state title game. Um, he jams people. Um, you know, he's another kid that also really, really, really likes Ohio State. I, I would I would probably assume that they're the team to beat in that recruitment as well. But he's an interesting one. One we don't have much verified data on, uh, but that multi-skill set, he's, he's going to be a big-time talent coming out of Miami Central, assuming that he, uh, he stays there. A, a guy he actually reminds me of, uh, you know, same area. Some people thought receiver. A couple of people thought corner. Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I remember being at, at Florida State camp. I think it was 08 when J- James Coley was there uh, and Rhodes was a receiver and uh, he was wearing slides and they j- he jumped out of the gym uh, barefoot and they're like, yeah, that that gets a corner and ends up being, you know, multi-time uh, pro bowler there. So I, I certainly I think you could see success on both sides of the ball there. Yeah, Guys? we'll be a, we'll, oh, we'll be a top, yeah, no, sorry, just just on Trader real quick. We'll be a top 15 guy for us, and I and I love his upside at receiver as well. Andrew's obviously seen him a little bit more than I have, but to be in the top 15 and be a top 15 caliber player with how much emphasis we put on verified measurables and, and timing says a lot about him. Um, but 6'2", 175, he's still figuring it out as a route runner as well, but he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. So I'm excited about him. Ohio State seems like they're in on on all these dudes. Follow him on Twitter at CPatagna247. Follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivan. Guys, really appreciate you all repping 247 here on the Cover 3 podcast. We're looking forward to the release of the 2024 recruiting rankings a little bit later today. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcatchers. And uh, that's a wrap. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.